Brilliant Misfits, Episode 68, with my guest, Emily Ann Peterson. Creativity and courage is a cycle, and they lean on each other. You cannot have one without the other. It's just impossible. And so the more you practice creativity, the more courage you have. The more courage you practice, the more creativity you have. Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Asia Kennedy. Welcome back, everyone, to Brilliant Misfits. If you're new to the podcast, I want to thank you for being here. I really love sharing with you these inspiring stories from my guests. My guests are from all walks of life. They're artists, they're coaches, they're businesswomen, entrepreneurs, healers, spiritual guides, and mentors. And the common thread is that these women have grown up feeling like they didn't quite fit in, and they've had to find their own unique path to sharing their gifts and bringing their light into the world. There's so much wisdom that gets shared on this show, and today I know is going to be no exception. My guest today is Emily Ann Peterson. She's all the way over on the other side of the world in Seattle, Washington, and I'm here in Australia. And Emily... Emily is a songwriter, she's a podcast host herself, she's a teaching artist, and she's the author of Bare Naked Bravery, How to Be Creatively Courageous. She has a wonderful story to share with you, and I'm going to introduce you to her now. Welcome, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. So where did you grow up, Emily? Oh, man, I grew up (laughs) um, in the South, Mm -hmm. mainly, um, the South of the U.S., um, and in Georgia and Texas. And I also did some, I lived in France for a little bit and, um, but mainly Texas and Georgia in the South. <laughs> and now you're settled in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. I, I came up to Seattle and up to the Pacific Northwest. Um, I guess our Pacific Northwest, not your, I get to, you wouldn't have a Pacific <laughs> Northwest, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm all confused. Um, uh, yeah, I moved up here right after I graduated from university and, um, I knew that I wanted to do music of some sort. And at the time LA was too big or uh, it was too snotty, you know, kind of like LA plastic surgery. Mm. That was what I had in my mind as LA. Um, and New York was too big and Nashville was too country at the time, um, now I could actually see myself living in any of those cities, but uh, Seattle at the time just seemed like a really great place to to get started. So um, I moved up here and started diving into the music scene. and And I was I'm a cellist, and so or it's my most proficient instrument at when I got here. And um, so I was doing cello full time, teaching, and playing and performing and recording for friends who had recording projects. And, um, it was a blast. Mm. Yeah. So did you, Mm -hmm. you, was music always sort of a part of your life since you were a child? 
Yeah. I mean, my mom is a, my mom is a piano teacher still to this day. And, um, so we grew up with music all around the house all the time. Yeah. So you thought that this was going to be your lifelong career. Yeah, I did. Um, I found, I found that teaching the cello to like people of all ages, four to 74, um, was, it was part of fulfilling a calling of mine and I was really enjoying it. Um, in 2013 though, I was diagnosed with an, an essential tremor in my right hand. Um, so one so essential tremor you quite deeply in your playing. Yes. Yes, it did. It, um, like I, I start, I started to notice it and was ignoring it basically the tra- the tremor and then was the day that I heard it through my instrument was the day that I called my doctor, uh, because it was then, cause I, I have played the instrument for over 20 years now. And so I, I know, I know a thing or two about the instrument, which means I also know a thing or two about how to avoid making those kinds of sounds that the tremor creates. So when I heard it, it proved to me that I no longer had what it took to avoid making these sounds anymore because it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I knew would know how to fix this situation and I just didn't. So it in my, it's in my bow hand. So what would it kind of made it sound like the, the sounds were shaking basically kind of going ha, 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 on the string. Um, what, what was, how are you feeling when you discovered that? Like what, what did that, what was that oh. like? Oh man, it was, it was awful because everything in my life, absolutely everything in my life revolved around this instrument. Um, my income was fully reliant on this instrument. My, um, my health insurance was therefore <laughs> reliant on this instrument. So my health relied on this instrument. My, uh, my friends, uh, my chosen family, my friends all were related to some some in somehow some ways the mu- music scene that I was a part of um all of all of my creativity fulfillment was based on this instrument and so there was every layer of my life was affected by this diagnosis um and most people who get essential tremors are very common especially in um folks who are over the age of 40 um they start is typically the time that it starts appearing Um, and, but not everyone has a lifestyle that the diagnosis affects in such a great way. Um, and I was diagnosed early when I was 27. So my, my neurologist had, you know, several talks with me, like you are the reason why I come to work because it is people like you that need to keep doing what they're, what you're doing. And so let's work on this, let's get this fixed and let's take care of this. Um, but the essential tremor, there's pretty much like you can take three medications with all with really weird side effects or have brain surgery. And my tremor is not bad enough for me to be to need brain surgery. Thank goodness. Um, just yet. And then and the the medicine just is not a great option. You know, mm. um, it's like you, you, all of the medication that exists to treat tremors originate from other, uh, problems. So like you could get on anti, um, seizure meds, but I'm not, 
I'm not having seizures, but sometimes the seizure meds have a side effect of treating tremors. Um, same thing for there's like a migraine medication and that kind of stuff. So I, I'd be taking medication. There's a heart medication that has a side effect of treating tremors. So they're, they're not, I would be taking basically unnecessary medication to treat a symptom of my problem, which is in my brain. It's not in my hand. It's in my brain. Um, so, and it's hereditary. So it comes from my parents and, and it is degenerative, which means it'll get worse over time. So there was this big, during this diagnosis, there was this massive question mark in my life. And I, um, everything that I had relied upon was now no longer reliable. Yeah, it <laughs> like, sounds I, like the rug was completely pulled out from underneath you. Like everything in, that you'd built your life upon is all of a sudden whoosh. Yeah. And it was slow because, of course, it wasn't like the next day I dropped everything and changed my whole life. But there was over the following year or two after that diagnosis, my life completely changed. Um, and I think the, the slowness of it, um, actually contributed to how difficult it was. If it had been just an overnight whoosh, (laughs) that might've been a little bit easier, but the slowness of, you know, like passing someone a pen and accidentally dropping it. And that's not a big deal to somebody else who's watching me pass a pen to somebody else across the room. But to me, it was like, I, sh- I didn't mean to drop that. And I knew in moments like that, that it wasn't me that dropped the pen. It was my tremor that dropped the pen or it was my tremor that spilled the coffee. <laughs> um, and so I would have these like moments of grief that would just spurt out. Like I'd spill a coffee mug and cry because it wasn't just the coffee that was spilling. It was also my life that felt like it was spilling. Um, yeah, it was difficult for sure. Yeah. I I can imagine you did a lot of soul searching during this time. I did, you know, my, um, the, the book that is coming out in January, uh, on the 28th, it's very excited about it because it is the book that I wish I had available to me at that time. Um, what happened after the diagnosis was that I just kind of took one step after another, one foot in front of the other. Um, one of the things that was a step in that direction was to attend, go to, I was, I was awarded an artist residency for six weeks out in the mountains of Washington. And, um, I spent six weeks, creatively sulking is what I call it. I was basically (laughs) avoiding playing the cello and choosing to spend my time writing other songs. Um, I had been awarded this residency to write new music for the cello. And when I got out there, I told the hosting organization what was happening and they were like, Hey, as long as you just make some music it's fine with us, it doesn't matter what instruments on. So I spent that time writing other songs. Um, and what happened after I, what happened as a result of that period of time was that I realized, Oh, I'm not just a cellist. I'm an artist. Um, and I have, and I have something to say, um, and I can say it in any way I want to. Um, but what I, what it left me with was 
I am going to need to be brave. If I'm going to say this stuff, I'm going to need to be brave. And I had no idea what bravery actually meant. Um, there was this deep knowing, deep sense of knowing that I, that I had to find out what the, what bravery actually meant before I could actually say what I needed to say. So I just got really curious about it. Bravery. Um, I, (laughs) I, it was the questions like, yes, we see it when somebody jumps into a burning building to save someone. Yes, we see it in these big moments, but where does that come from? How is it born? Are people just brave or are they, can they make themselves brave? And if so, how do you make yourself brave or how do you bake a cake of bravery and like what ingredients go into that? Um, so that's what I sought to discover. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And, you know, there's a few things like when you said, oh, I found out I'm not just a cellist, I'm an artist, you know, I mean, I think that we are creative beings. This is the thing I go on about and on about and on about. And because a lot of people don't believe that they're creative, but creativity expresses itself in so many different ways. And what a beautiful thing to realize, well, I'm not just a cellist because your creativity can then expand into other things. It's so true. And the other thing, I love that you're touching on this idea of bravery and, you know, the human resilience. Whenever I see anything that um, displays the human resilience, I, I go to tears. I just, it just moves me so much. And it's a wonderful question, you know, what you brought up, like, do we all have it? Because I think sometimes, you know, we do, and we don't even realize it until we need it when it's called mm-hmm. upon, and then it, it arises and it's there. And we go, wow, where did that come from? Did you yeah. find that a little bit like that in your experience? Well, so what happened after, as I was getting curious, I naturally, I write all the time, just in general, I always have. Um, so I started writing this, I guess at the time it was kind of this like memoir of bravery. And I was, my curiosity led me to discover the fact that, wow, when the, the play, the other times in my life where I haven't been able to control my context or I haven't been able to control other people involved in a situation, I was being brave, even though those moments were some of my like scariest moments or some of sometimes the moments that I thought I was surrendering or giving up were actually not giving up. It was me being brave in a creative way. Um, and that, that acknowledgement was really powerful to me to, to recognize, wow, you know, the moment where the moments in my life where I, I had an eating disorder in high school and college. And so the moments that I remember really struggling, like full body, full self struggle, um, through these seasons of what I call seasons of bravery. Now, um, those moments were covered in bravery, even though at one point in my life, I may have looked back on them and thought, what a weak wimp. (laughs) Um, those are actually my strongest moments. Now my proudest, strongest moments, uh, because 
yeah, just because they are. <laughs> um, and I, so because I got curious about this bravery, I, you know, I wrote a little bit about my own story, but then I got really more curious about it. And so started having conversation, research conversations, um, because I could tell that this was becoming a book and I was, I also want to do due diligence whenever I put something out into the world, whether it be a song or a blog post or whatever. So I was doing research questions. Um, and these research questions that I was bringing to my own heroes and the other people in my life who I admired, they, those conversations became so big and so wonderful that I turned that into a podcast and that turned into a community of listeners and, um, and now the book's coming out. So, but what I discovered throughout all these conversations, these research conversations was that bravery, bravery has three forms that it shows up in. You can have internal bravery, you can have external bravery, and you can have resonant bravery. And the internal bravery is the small acknowledgements of truth. So like acknowledging to yourself, wow, I think it's time for me to get a divorce. Um, or wow, it's time to go back to school. <laughs> Those internal recognitions of truth and honesty, those are internal, those are moments of internal bravery. And then that bravery be, turns into external bravery when you acknowledge that outside of yourself to someone else. And if that person acknowledges that that's a brave thing to do. So, um, so like if I told a friend, Hey, I think it's time to go back to school. That's external bravery. But if somebody else, let's say, sees you going back to school, um, even if you don't think that going back to school is a brave thing, if somebody secondhand sees you going back to school and they think that's a brave thing for you to do or to do in general, then that is resonant bravery. And we can go about our days and our lives just living, breathing, doing normal things. And we may not know that, you know, someone going to the grocery store is in the midst of a bout of depression and going to the grocery store was a really brave thing for them to do. Mm. Right. So the cashier behind the, you know, the, the cashier clerk at the grocery store may not know that you're being brave, but you do. Right. Yeah. Um, or if you tell a friend, hey, I went to the grocery store today and they know you're in the midst of depression, that acknowledgement externally can be really powerful because then they go, yeah, wow, way to go. Well done you. <laughs> um, and, and by, you know, on the other side of things, if somebody is in the midst of their own depression and they hear about how you are out in the midst of your own life. Um, even if you're not doing anything brave, you're just going to the grocery store, but they hear about that and they go, wow, someday <laughs> that would be such a brave thing for me to do. Um, yeah, really inspiring yeah. someone else through that. Mm -hmm. And I think like everything you're saying, um, and I love that you broke that down into the three forms. And it also, I think that we don't actually focus enough on how brave we are. We always focus on the sort of negative things or, you know, self-sabotaging things. We align with our fears and our anxieties. But I think it's 
how you've broken it down into those simple, and it could be the simplest things, and just looking at how brave we really are day to day um, mm. is a really a, a well, wonderful, important it's, thing. It's powerful to recognize that bravery sm- starts as small seeds. Um, yes, they do. It, it goes through the internal, external, resonant versions, but it starts as a small seed. And if you nurture what is there, then it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then eventually grows into you jumping into a burning building and saving someone. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is that we see these big, massive feats of bravery and you know up, applause and give standing ovations and everything. But what we don't see is the mo- the moment that little boy or the the, the now adult man who had just jumped into a burning building when he was four, he experienced a moment where he was saved and that, or he watched someone saving someone else. And that gave him space to grow and nurture this idea that despite all of the odds against you, you can accomplish really big things. Um, and so we don't see those moments of like those little light bulb moments yeah, in other true. people. Um, and that's where it starts, you know. Yeah. And often people that do those big acts of bravery when they're interviewed, they they don't even feel like they've done anything special, no. you know, because it's just been a part of their life. Like you say, it's grown from maybe a little seed into something. And, you know, they'll do this without even thinking. And people go, wow, you're so brave. And they, they don't even, they can't even really see that in themselves. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's just natural. Yeah. Like that's what I do. <laughs> and in my, in my book, I also outlined three reasons why we are brave. So we have three methods that it shows up, but there's also three reasons why we are brave. One, because it's worth it. Like we know that what's on the other side is going to get us the good stuff. So that could be, oh, if I just send this email, I'm going to get a million dollars. You know, even though we're scared to send the email, the million dollars on the other side sounds pretty good. So we're willing to go through a little hiccup of discomfort to make that happen. The other reason is that um, is that we it's needed and that there's someone else in the world that needs us to do that thing. So um, let's say it's jumping. Let's use the jumping into a burning building example someone in there needs you to do that. And so you're willing to overcome that, those obstacles, because that is the case, you know, you're ready, you're ready and willing to go make it happen. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a really, it's a very timely thing in our world today, because, you know, there's a lot of, um, well, I don't know, this narcissism in various degrees or self-centeredness, or we can become very self-absorbed and it kind of expands that out where we're actually concerned with other people around us and become more sensitive to people around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know about, I can't speak for the whole of the United States, obviously for I'm just one person. However, I am in the Northwest and I know that a lot of us in the Northwest and there are so many Americans who see the narcissism that is playing out in our politics today and are, just like, first of all, we're rolling our eyes and kind of like our forefathers are probably rolling over in their graves, but they're also, there is a great uprising that's happening in our country right now because we see this 
we see things happening that we don't want to happen in our country. And now we are like, Oh, this, we need to be brave right now. We have to come together and say things that need to be said, speak up, stand up, do the things that need to be done. Um, because there's an opposing force that is causing us to do so because we see that there are people that need food stamps. (laughs) We need to fund those for our people. So, um, it, this happens in politics, but it also happens within, you know, relationships. You, you can say, Oh, someone really needs me to be at this momentous event that they're going through. My presence, just being my presence alone will be important to them. If I just show up, I don't have to say anything. I just have to show up. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. that's something that you're really is part of your gift really is helping people to fully show up in the world and and I love that, you know, we can look at like what's negative in the world, but really then we take it back to ourselves and each individual can make a difference by choosing to stand in their bravery, as you say, and the way you've described it. And, you know, collectively, that's going to make a huge difference. It's true. It's true. And I see that I see that happening in my own life just through witnessing the people in the bare naked bravery community talking about things that they have overcome or things that they are accomplishing on in every day. You know, there are, there are creatives and moms and dads and um, all sorts of folks in this community. And we, and I, and I'm seeing these stories pop up that like they did something brave and having a community of people cheer you on in those directions is so powerful. Um, and it means so much to all of us to witness you do something brave. Um, so just that enough alone is a gift, right? Mm, Totally. And I think it's, it is important that we collectively come together as a tribe and, and, you know, not be isolated, but really cheer each other on and they cheer you on. And, um, it makes a huge difference when there's a group of people, and it starts with the individual, but then it's shared in a group. It's a collaborative and a collective um, energy. It's true. Mm. Yeah. So I just yeah. want to touch on the Bare Naked Bravery community. And that's a Facebook group, is it? It is. It's a Facebook group, but it's also we are opening it up to be a publication as well. So um, you can submit regular articles or one-time articles. Um, I was really – I. I never, you know, intended to have that all of this unfold like it has, but I'm so glad it did because, um, now we not only have a group of people who are cheering each other along in bravery, but we also now have this outlet for people to be brave and share their stories and share, um, their version of bravery and their experiences of vulnerability and imagination and improvisation and all of those things that make up bravery. It's, it's exciting. Um, yeah. Mm. And I just wanted to touch on also, you know, as an artist yourself, as a musician, and then having to sort of find other ways to expand that, um, I often find that when we, you know, like you've tapped into your creativity, but for people who think like, well, I'm not a creative person, creativity is incredibly healing. I think I've, I've witnessed myself with people I work with that when 
you get into that place in yourself and you're willing, and it does take bravery, it does take courage to creatively express yourself, whatever that is. And it doesn't have to be something you even put into the world, it can just be for yourself. But there's a there's a healing element to coming back to your creativity. Yeah, and there's creativity, I talk about this in my book as well, that creativity and courage is a cycle, mm. and they lean on each other. You cannot have one without the other. It's just impossible. And so the more you practice creativity, the more courage you have. The more courage you practice, the more creativity you have. Um, Because creativity implies innovation. It implies a newness, a sense of um, creation, right? You're creating something. Mm -hmm. So even if that's just creating a new option or a new opportunity for yourself, that is creativity. You don't have to get your crayons out to be creative you can you can simply ask a new kind of question and that is creativity so i mean that's those folks out there that are <laughs> that are you know in opposition to the fact that they may or may not be creative they just are you just can't you can't you you can't avoid it and it be still be way. alive <laughs> yeah it's, it's impossible to it's impossible to not be creative so um So yeah, it's when we practice creativity in any kind of way, you're enforcing those um, synapses in our brain that build those new opportunities for our lives. Um, I because and one of the reasons why I'm the perfect person to be talking about this is because I spent. 15 years teaching cello lessons and teaching people how to practice. So I have a lot of experience with what it means to build new neuron connections, new synapse connections, new, and to wrap those new connections with more myelin. And myelin is this like long sticky tape stuff that is basically enforces, um, the connection between two brain synapses. Um, and the more you practice something, the more myelin gets wrapped around those synapses, the more myelin that exists, the easier it is to do those things, those behaviors, those thoughts, those, um, connections. And so that is precisely the reason why the more you see bravery, the more you surround yourself with bravery, brave people, the more you practice creativity and practice being courageous, you are enforcing those synapses and building the connections between those synapses. So then courage is easier. Bravery is just then easier, just how it is. Um, I love how you explain that. I love how you explain that. And it's also, isn't it just, isn't it just marvelous that we actually have this this type of like you know a brain this mechanism that you know it's not static like you know it was thought it was at one time but we we mm-hmm. now know that it 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 continues to grow as everything does you know we're continually growing and if we work at it like you say things can change you know we can change our brain repatterning and rewiring it's true. It's true. Now it does get more difficult the older you get. Um, there, that that is true. That oh, it is dear. hard to. <laughs> I know it will. It's it's not. It's you still are able to make new connections, but your brain is not able to. <clears throat> excuse me. 
make as much myelin as you used to, which is one of the reasons why little kids pick up languages like it's no big deal. Um, because they just have brains that are creating myelin like nobody's business. So, um, so yeah, it is, it makes it important uh, as we get older to, um, prioritize things in our life, to practice the things that make that are important. Mm, Wonderful. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Now, I wanted to get back a little bit to, you know, when you were talking about um, the three forms of bravery, the internal, the external, the <coughs> resonant, and that internal one where you hear that voice, I think that's mm-hmm. a really important one because what that requires for us, at least from what I'm hearing in our discussion, is that it means that we need to take time to listen to our truth to really listen mm-hmm. to not anybody else's truth, but our own truth and to drop in. So I'm wondering if you have any, like, do you find that you do any practices to be able to do that? Or is it just a natural thing that over time has developed for you? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. Um, I really admire Julia Cameron's The Yay, Artist Way. Me too. <laughs> I've gone through that. I've gone through that. I've led three groups and I've gone through it myself, I think a total of five times and every single time it's totally life changing. Um, the, I, so I acquired and I was always a journaler before, um, but taking her class and changing my journal entries into a stream of consciousness writing, but adding, this is something she doesn't suggest, um, doesn't, necessarily expressly suggest, but I do, um, is to do stream of consciousness writing for 10, 15, 30 minutes, however long you have, um, and then throw out the paper, throw out the text document, um, delete everything, burn it, get rid of it. Because that act of create, letting go and creating space, um, is an act of faith that tomorrow or in the next five minutes when you have something else to write, that there's a space to do it, first of all. And secondly, that um, it's that it's that faith that tomorrow there will be more, uh, wow. which is that's, that's part- an act of bravery right there. Because when you're saying it, I'm going, <gasps> but oh, all those wonderful like insights I've had and I want to go back and read them and... <laughs> Well, yeah, but you have to, you have to acknowledge the fact that, well, first of all, my, I don't know about your stream of consciousness writing, but mine is not pretty. It's not really worth keeping. It's (laughs) like incomplete sentences and really bizarre things. However, some nuggets do come out, like some really good gems are unfold in those times. But what I've noticed is that those gems, just by nature of the fact that I expressed them once. I can find them again. Mm, that's a lot right? of, that's great. I love it because you're really saying, you know, trust, trust it. It's still there. It's not going to disappear because you throw the piece of paper away. Exactly. Mm. And, and I also, you know, it's part of, I know that if I'm truly doing great work in terms of writing, um, that, that I'll be able to recreate it like mm. tomorrow, like, Heaven forbid my book manuscript gets goes and vanishes out of thin air. I would still be able to rewrite it all probably in like two weeks just because I know the material like the back of my hand. I know it. 
I know the stories that went into this. So my creativity still exists, even though the book itself doesn't. Yeah. But it does exist. The book is out. (laughs) (laughs) And it will be coming out and available for everyone on the 28th of January, 2018. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And if you, if you join my email list before the 28th, then you'll get reminders about the fact that it is going to be free on Amazon. The ebook is, will be free on Amazon for about three days just to celebrate the fact that it's out. So if you want the ebook for free, then you should get on my mailing list. (laughs) So I'll put your, um, and would that be, um, on your website? Yeah, if you go to emilyannpeterson.com or Bare Naked Bravery, either goes to similar kinds of places, you'll you'll know what you need to do when you get there. Mm. And you do have yeah. a free um, a free bravery bundle as well. Yeah. Can you describe that a little bit for us? That sounds yeah, exciting. Yeah, so well it is exciting. Um in the future it might be comprised of different things, but today it is um two songs of mine, original songs and a coloring book comprised of 10 international artists, um, coloring pages. There was, that was really fun to put together and also a, a couple bravery worksheets as well. So the bravery worksheet that I really appreciate is even just the one that I use, um, is a list of 12 questions based around these 12 ingredients that I mentioned in my book of bravery. Um, and usually if like you're facing something, you're in a bathroom stall and you've got on the outside of the bathroom is like a brave moment that, you know, you have to go like take a deep breath and go do. Um, if you ask yourself those 12 questions, usually by the time you finish the 12th question, you'll feel a little bit more braver, if not a lot more braver. Oh, that's fantastic. What a beautiful gift. So I'll put everything up on the show notes. So our listeners, please go to the show notes and you can find Emily Ann Peterson on her website, get a hold of her free bravery bundle, sign up on her newsletter so that you can get the free ebook that's coming out soon, which is, which is say the title again, Bare, bare Naked Bravery, How to Be Creatively Courageous. I love it. How to Be Creatively Courageous. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So Emily, is there any one last little gem you want to leave with our listeners today before we say goodbye? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I would just say that, you know, the way that I close out all of my podcast episodes and, um, and it's just so important. First of all, that the fact that you listened to this today is really powerful. There's a lot of stuff out there that you could have spent your time doing today. And so it means a lot that you are listening to this podcast. Brilliant Misfits is great. And, um, just know that we really do need your bravery. We need you to be vulnerable. We need you to be imaginative and improvisational, and we need you to stand up and speak up. Yes, yes, and yes. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Emily Ann. I'm I'm so grateful and honored and privileged that you came on the show today to share your story, to share your truth, your wisdom, and I look forward to reading your book. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for being here today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, 
www.ashakennedy.com.